and we are starting episode number 61 of Down the Rabbit Hole. Yeah. Hello, Carl. Hello, How Rafa. is it going? Hmm? How is um, it going? Well, we've found it difficult scheduling time recently. Yeah. But we've both been very mm-hmm. busy, uh, but we're trying to get back into it and uh, get back on a more regular schedule. Mm, yeah. So, yes, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. I'm here. Autumn is here. Autumn is here. The beautiful day today. Mm-hmm. We're not doing the weather, right? No, I, we haven't done weather in a long time. We, we decided to stop doing it because nobody would sponsor us. <laughs> you don't get the weather for free, right? Yeah. Or at least tell us from which city would you like the weather. Yeah, come on. We can't always <laughs> do weather, weather in Cluj, can we? No. So, a bit of news, right? Yeah, let's start with the news yeah. because we have... Um, this was actually just uh, last week. Yeah. Elon Musk uh, appeared in this uh, conference in, in Greece. Yeah, I forget what the conference was. Uh-huh. And uh, in the... Actually, wait, no, was the International Astron- Astronautical Congress in Australia, oh, not Greece. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Australia. Those countries are very similar. Eh? It's easy <laughs> yeah, to make a mistake. Close, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so he made this announcement about... Yeah, exciting one. It is exciting, I wonder if it's like uh, we were talking uh, before recording. Yeah. Maybe a little far-fetched. Well, or th- you think he's trying to maybe uh, make the uh, throw down the, a challenge, a, a challenge, and the public a little bit more enthusiastic. Get people that could maybe move and um, set in motion because things. we have been let down so badly by space exploration mm-hmm. promises, and we, I mean, we landed yeah. on the moon. And we did return. 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. What the hell, right? Mm-hmm. Done nothing. Although, I was watching a program on the UK uh, networks the mm-hmm. other night called Sky at Night. Very good program. Uh-huh. Um, and they were um, having a look at a, I think it's a European uh, privately funded project to put a, and it's going to launch, as far as I recall, uh, next year. Mm-hmm. to the moon and they're actually putting down a little rover which is actually made by uh audi really or, wow. or they sponsored it yeah. it's got a little audi thing on the front nice <laughs> no, no number plate but it's uh-huh. and um and basically it will be a private venture uh soft landing on the moon and they're going to land it nearby where they believe the moon rover was parked on the last moon landing. And they're actually going to drive their rover over to the moon rover because they uh-huh. want to go and look at it. How is, what's the state of it? See how it's doing, right? Because didn't the Chinese have or, or had the plan to put a rover in the moon or they actually did or was a, just an orbiter? They did. I think they have put a rover on the moon. Yeah. But I think it's failed now. It's... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Something like that. It's powered on on rice, and as we know, Chinese food is very good. But <laughs> half an hour later, you've been didn't last. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. Just, there's just not <laughs> enough energy in it, right? Anyway, so yeah, I think they did put a rover on, on mm-hmm. but I think it's it's gone. Mm-hmm. So yes, yeah, so the announcement, the announcement. Elon Musk officially wants to send humans to Mars by 2024 20, via his new. Rocket, the BFR. Yes. And I believe the F does not stand for freaking 
<laughs> Best freaking rocket. <laughs> I think it's another word very similar to that. But yes, he's got this he's he is saying that they're gonna switch SpaceX's development effort yeah. towards this BFR concept. And they're actually expecting to uh, replace the Falcon 9. Yeah. Which is already a success now. Exactly. It just finished to be a success, or it's now established as a success. Yeah. And they're already trying to replace it with BFR. With, with BFR. And have you seen how many engines that BFR? Something like 35 engines. Uh-huh. And, but it's going to create one single booster. Yes, one single booster. But as far as I know, the Falcon 9 is nine engines. Nine. This one is something like 35. Yeah, the power there to go, you know. Yeah. So... Um, I don't know whether this, I don't know whether this article mentions whether it will actually, I know at the far end, if you went to the moon with it, or maybe even Mars, Mm -hmm. it it does actually land vertically. Yeah. Uh, But whether they would do the same thing for, you know, like Earth orbital missions, I don't know. In fact, the the, the BFR mm. is is going to be able to dock in the International Space Station right. for delivering cargo. So imagine that a manned rocket is going to be launched, yeah. dock, release the cargo, and come, come back. back. Now, I I no doubt that Elon Musk and his and his backroom boys are talking to another company, which I think we may have mentioned before on rabbit hole, which is Bigelow Industries, yeah, uh-huh. which they bought the rights to this inflatable space habitat technology. Uh-huh. And they've actually got one in orbit at the moment. It's an inflated habitat. Uh-huh. And I understand that they have a contract to actually attach one to the International Space Station. Wow. Uh-huh. Now, what is interesting for me is that Bigelow, who's based in Las Vegas, is mm. actually a property developer called Bigelow. Uh-huh. Uh, he actually wants to actually develop orbital hotels. Mm. There now, was an announcement this. about the tourists from for 2018. Right. They will start to offer, I don't remember if it was this company. It could be Bigelow Industries. Tourists into space. Now imagine BFR's The Bus. Mm-hmm. Um, Bigelow provides, is the, you know, the courtesy bus from the yeah. from the airport to the hotel. To the hotel. And uh, Bigelow provides the accommodation. Mm -hmm. And the International Space Station is the lifeboat for the inevitable (laughs) evacuation. Evacuation. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm sure as long as Bruce Willis is alive, there will be a way Mm -hmm. out of that, right? Interestingly, uh, Elon Musk presented also some uh, images. Moon village, right? A Martian village. Oh, is that a Martian? It's a Martian city. Oh, that is a Martian city, right? Yeah. So there, yeah, you were able to see... Um, well, we were. Where's it going? <laughs> there. I was just uh, removing a little the... All right. But in, you could see the, the rocket landing and so on. Yeah. Similar to what we have seen in the... I saw exactly that on a, um, on a Dan Dare movie many years ago. Uh-huh. It looked very similar to that. Mm-hmm. So... You could see in, in his images how yeah. it's going to look. And you see a lot of domes. You see uh, yeah. houses and the stages that is going to be built yeah. and grown. And presumably the materials for these things will be found on Mars. Obviously. On Mars. Well, that's the main idea. Yeah. And a very sci-fi 
uh, image of people boarding, yeah, like a cruise that will take them to that uh, little island to... I mean, that is a huge thing, that BFR, isn't it? Yeah, look at that. It's the size of it. We will put the link to the to the video in yeah. the show notes so you can go and watch it as well in this moment. Yeah. And the idea is that BFR, after launching, uh, the ship is going to make some turns around the earth to use it as a slingshot. So what, right, but it showed it there landing back at the launch pad. Because one goes and the other one is just to help go out of the atmosphere. Oh, so one's the lift mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and return, yeah. transfer to the other one, yeah, which then lands on Mars. On Mars. So that's, you got to you've got to you've got to admire this guy, right? Yeah, he's like interesting initiative, and he's the engineer. I would, we would all like to be. Uh huh. And before we finish with this news, uh, we have something um, about the European Astronomical Observatory. Oh yes. So according to an announcement from the ESO, bit of mystery here. Yeah, the scientists uh, have witnessed. Mm. An astronomical phenomenon that has never seen before. A revolutionary discovery. A revolution discovery, exactly. So on Monday, October 16th, meaning uh, at the time of the recording of this podcast, it's going Uh to be a few days only, they are going to make a big announcement to the media. Big. And some people are comparing this because the latest biggest discovery was the gravitational waves. Yes. So now... They are trying to compare and saying that this is as big as, is as big as that, and but they didn't provide any other information. This is like turning science into like reality TV. Into show, reality TV, right? And the winner is, and then we just have a long pause. Yeah, and some <laughs> big drum music in the background. So it's interesting. Let's see what Let's see it's what it in is. the end. We may we may comment and comment on it on the next podcast. For sure, we yeah. may give it the big thumbs down. We don't and say boo was not or like or like. Yeah, I knew. I, I knew that. Right? I knew yeah. the truth is out there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's a very long news we've done there. Yeah, ten minutes almost. Yeah, shall we? It's okay. Yeah, that's the news. Now let's go to the main topic because it's interesting. Well. It's a main problem in the world we're living in. I think it's interesting, and the the approach we're taking is not the general approach. Yeah. Now the title. We're we're back now for starting the main tit- uh, the main topic. The title. Here we are. Mm. And shall I yeah. name it? Name it. Uh, as I wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this um, podcast is called. Enough for everyone? It's a question. Yeah. And it's a way of seducing you into thinking we're going to talk about maybe something else. (laughs) (laughs) But what we're actually... Enough for everyone. (laughs) Somebody will say, that's what she said. But what we're actually going to talk about is uh, the Earth's resources and population. Overpopulation. Well, potentially overpopulation, right? And we thought we would start with a few facts. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. maybe you could start us off. Yes, uh, with the first one. Yeah. Depend, I mean, based on what what we are right now, general question, based on the resources that we have right now in our planet, 
what would be the optimum population of Earth? Yeah. Now, I don't know yeah. what people would say. I this don't is, think they'd say this. This is a hard question to answer. It's tricky. It's Exactly. It's tricky. Yeah. You have to think about uh, birds, deaths, a lot of factors around. Yeah. But uh, there's a... It, there's a range. a range, and it depends. The problem with this question is it depends on who answers, who you ask, and what you yeah. ask. Right? Exactly. But overall, there is a range, and the number is one point five billion to two billion people. Yeah, and <laughs> if we now look at the current population of Earth, which yeah. this is where you start, like what? Oh dear! Oh my God! Well. The current population of Earth, of Earth yeah. 7.5 billion That's people. Right. And that is more than double the maximum number that is supposed to be optimum yeah. for the population. Well, it's getting on for three, right? Almost going for three. It is. It, well, it's it is a, three. Yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> well, if you take the two, two billion, uh, uh, we're 0.5 okay. under. Okay, we're all about accuracy on Rabbit Hole, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, we're, we're getting on for three <laughs> Earths worth of resources is the requirement. And you will see now in the show notes, if you go fast there and check, mm. there's a link to be able to check in real time, <laughs> birth and Did death you look counts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like a, it's like a very interesting website where it's actually... Counters, real-time counters that are showing you exactly. births, deaths. Births, deaths and everything. Current population growth in numbers. Uh-huh. It's a nice, yeah. it's a very nice thing. But so, if, for example, today, at the moment of recording, births yeah. today, 209,000 and 30, 31, 34, yeah. 37, yeah. 40, 43, 45, 49, 50, yeah. 50, 50. Yeah. Only today, births and deaths. So far today. Today. Mm-hmm. 86,603, 4, 5, oh, yeah. 6, 7, 8, 9, and, 10, 11. And that means that the growth in population today is around 123,000. And that is And it's going up unbelievable. and up, obviously. Yeah. If we go back to the show notes, yes. uh, what that means, what that equates to basically is that so far this year, there has been a hundred that's so far this year. Yeah. Around a hundred and ten million births and forty-five million deaths. Yep. Which actually equates to um the current population of the entire United Kingdom in additional mouths to feed, blah blah. blah. Yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Right? That is a lot, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think you can put it any more clearly than that, right? Uh-huh. So, yeah, because when you see that, that number just growing, yeah. it becomes even scary. It does. <laughs> what you've also got to think about is, in an ideal world, these people need jobs, mm-hmm. somewhere to live, water that they can drink. Mm-hmm. This is terrifying stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. How is this going to be done? Right. And if you think that, for example, just today, mm. we had that amount of people being born. Yeah. They're going to become part of the problem in, let's say, 20 years. Yeah. But as we will come to see, mm-hmm. the actual real source of the problem is not really 
people being born. It's actually something more subtle than that. Yeah. But we'll come to that shortly. Yeah. So how about then, as we're starting this first <laughs> section with some verifiable numbers, the predictions for the end of this current century. So by 2100... How mm-hmm. many people will there be on this planet, right? Now, again, it's a bit like um, the other question about resources. Depends who you ask and kind of how you ask it. Yeah. But uh, generally speaking, you will find that the numbers are between, by 2100, 8 and 11 billion. Now, wow. 8 is a low number, right? Cause it's, yeah. It's only half a billion above where we are now. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but 11 billion, apparently even that could be conservative. But Now, those numbers, we quote where they came from, but it's generally from uh, Deutsche Bank and the UN. The it's, UN. It's mm-hmm. a combination of two sources. Uh, we give a link to the source there. Um so there you have it, by 2100, somewhere between 8 and 11 billion. Now, there's, there's something about those numbers. So we're going to finish this segment with a few words about trends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The trends, exactly. So, so basically, if you've been paying attention, and I'm sure you have, you'll realise that those numbers, if you actually look at, Trending numbers from recent past. Mm-hmm. Those numbers, actually, 8 or 11, don't make a lot of don't sense. Up. Because, basically, they don't seem right because on past population growth figures, and here's a, a snippet that tells you everything, that between 1950 and today, <laughs> the global population has tripled. Right? Yeah. So in 1950, it was about 2.5 million, right? It's now yeah. 7.5. But from now to 2100, it seems as if the numbers are much, the increment's much smaller. Yeah. Now, why is that? Because if you take the the trend, by 2100, it should be 40 billion, right? Mm-hmm. Or impossible, as we might call it. Yeah. So why is that, right? So that, I yeah. think, brings us... To the point of the answer. Why? Well, actually, we have seen... It's recommended. It will come later. Yeah, the movie, a movie about this actually. Right, and we are talking about birth, birth rates. The exactly the rates are falling. Are falling, and not only are they falling in necess- not necessarily in specific countries, but globally. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are exceptions, but generally speaking, birth rates are falling. So the question is, why are birth rates falling? Yeah. Right? And, um, again, we give you links to resources, but yeah. uh, generally speaking, uh, the cause is a combination of two factors, mainly socioeconomic, mm-hmm. uh, but it is also thought there's an environmental element. And that's the well, the hard one to... That's the more difficult to quantify. Exactly. But... Uh, for example, recent reports as recent as July, and we give, mm-hmm. we give you we give you the sources here. Uh, reports as recently as July this year cite recent studies showing that sperm counts, those little fellas that half mm-hmm. of the world population have <laughs> a plentiful supply of, apparently, uh, the sperm counts in America, Europe, Australia, and New Zealand. Um, 
and elsewhere, obviously, uh-huh. uh, have dropped by more than 50% in less than 40 years. Now, that is a headline number, right? This is what yeah. th- you'll see this reproduced quite often. But actually, although we're not the BBC, we're going to, in- we're going to impose a bit of balance here mm-hmm. because... CNBC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, do, we don't want to be accused of fake news, right? Yeah. <laughs> or any news that I don't agree with, uh-huh. which is... The other definition of fake news. Anyway, um, not everybody agrees with this uh, falling um, sperm count stuff. And we've actually given a link to a study yeah. that actually questions that, but which I've read, and you kind of see what they're getting at, but I think, generally speaking, there's something going on. Mm-hmm. So if if we don't dwell on that too much, because the causes of any environmental factors is the jury's out on this one at the moment. You know, yeah. there's this, this thing about, I think we've covered it before, about mm-hmm. chemicals in packaging. In packages, even in plastic. Packaging, yeah. yeah. Like, for example, the, the plastic that is used to contain, for example, yoghurt, uh-huh. that has actually what they call, what is referred to as gender-bending chemicals in uh-huh. the plastic. Wow. And here's an interesting, I don't know whether we've touched we on did, this. We did, we did. We've touched on this before, but uh, there have been studies done that show that where there is treated wastewater coming out of sewage works into rivers and oceans, that when they look at in the spill area of the water coming from yeah. the treatment works and they look at the gender of the fish, the marine life, it's all out of whack. Mm-hmm. And it's like... What they have deduced is that the chemicals that are not being removed, yeah, and of course, a lot of water is actually recycled. Mm-hmm. The 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 chemicals in the water that is coming out is actually altering the gender of the fish. <laughs> <laughs> and there is, that, that sounds like the Simpsons <laughs> with the three eyes. <laughs> and what I like about those three eyes is they don't blink together. No, like they have a rhythm. Like one, two, three, one, two, three. And and I, that's where that has come from, of, co- of course, yeah, of is course. this problem with gender-bending chemicals. Uh-huh. And nobody's actually yet being able to make a causal link between that and potentially falling fertility rates. But mm-hmm. it does make you wonder, right? Yeah, um, definitely. Anyway, um, socioeconomic factors. Mm-hmm. Now... These generally fall into two categories, and they're fairly obvious when you think about them, but you do have to just give it a little bit of thought. And the two general categories are overall increasing wealth. Wealth. That is increasing wealth of populations Mm -hmm. and mass urbanisation. So we know that there is a continuing move from agrarian lifestyles to Urbanized, urbanized, living in cities, right? yeah. and it's thought, I think, by twenty fifty or twenty one hundred, that like sixty or seventy, maybe even eighty percent of the world's populations will live in urban environments. Yeah, right? I think it was twenty fifty. Is it twenty fifty? Twenty fifty. It's a huge shift, right? Yeah, and obviously, it's already occurred in developed economies, mm-hmm. but in developing economies, it's occurring right now. Now, right? and in. Uh, um, economies that are still emerging, like in uh, Africa, it it is just getting going. Right? Yeah, and 
just to put a bit more meat on the bones there, what that means is that simply the wealthier people feel or actually are, are the less children they tend to have. Right? Yeah. Because because one of the driving factors for having more children is childhood disease, mortality rates, mm-hmm. and poverty. It's a natural reaction to high child mortality is if there's high child mortality, uh-huh. then have more children. So you have more chance of some of them surviving. So as soon as you have increasing wealth, then those factors start to mm-hmm. so birth rate drops. And then the other one is urbanization. Which actually is linked also to the previous one. It is linked. Because the more uh, you are living in an urbanized uh, town, city, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, it gives exactly the same sensation of your wealth. Everything is increased. Yeah. And becomes a psychological yeah. factor as yeah, got, the real one when you're wealthy, let's say. Exactly. And you've got these additional factors of lack mm-hmm. of space, the cost of additional space, cost of living. The cost of living, I think, is one of the biggest as well. Of course it is. People think very hard about having multiple yeah. children, right? Yeah, because it's about, okay, you have to pay school for two children. Yeah. You have to pay meals for two children, yeah. boss. For and apparently they can't get a job until they're at least 16. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, who brought that in, right? <laughs> so, I'm just joking there, people. Um, so, yeah, so that that um, kind of covers... This first part about... This kind of first part about... Numbers and... Environment and mm-hmm. socioeconomic yeah. factors, what is driving it. And it kind of brings us on to the second part we want to talk about, which is resources, right? Mm-hmm. Now, there is a kind of message mm-hmm. out there, I think, and people don't have to agree with this, but this is where we're coming from. There is a message out there in the media that is being pushed, mm-hmm. shall we say, it's an agenda of multiple pressure groups and organisations yeah. and so on and so forth, and that is that um, that countries with the highest birth rates need to be controlled and that this resource problem is really down to them Mm -hmm. and that they are a growing threat to global resources. Now, I think we've probably all come across this and we've given you links to a number of organizations that push that Mm -hmm. uh, concept. So, so the argument is that these countries with their ballooning populations will cause uh, increasing environmental environmental damage that will affect everyone everywhere, right? Yes. But yeah. this is where we come Yeah, to- there's another way to see yeah, there's another way, right? this problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's more practical yeah. in reality and recognizes where the problem is actually. Yeah, and we are grateful to a, a, an article by a guy, David Slatterthwaite. Slatterthwaite. And he published an article in uh, Environment and Urbanization mm-hmm. magazine. And basically, uh, before we get into that, let's just start with where might this pressure be coming from for mm-hmm. this idea that it's all down to these poor people, right? Yeah. And an interesting thing came to light, which was that a few years ago now, a meeting took place of a American billionaires, and it was reported by the Sunday Times 
And one of the things that they um, discussed in this billionaires club was what good causes, inverted commas, I'm doing a couple of air quotes there, Mm -hmm. uh, should they support? And the article revealed, and we give a link to the article, the article revealed that a consensus emerged that they, the billionaires club, would back a strategy in which population growth would be tackled as a potentially disastrous environmental, social and industrial industrial threat. threat. So that would be the ultra-rich who want for nothing deciding that it's the very poor who are trashing the planet. Well, it's always like that, no? Well, apparently you would say. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, we have this saying in in whatever, that you can't write yeah, this, that, uh, this stuff, but apparently you can. You can. <laughs> and that is a very good example. And so, this just takes you always back to the same, if you want to call it conspiracy theory of, that group of power, the yeah, rich people. The Bilbo group, the, yeah. you know, all that stuff, but... So here we're going to actually give you what we believe is the reality. Is the reality, not this BS that is pushed through um, through the kind of mainstream media. So mm-hmm. this paper that we're quoting from uh-huh. um, basically quotes another uh, piece of research, mm-hmm. which shows that the places on the planet where population has been growing the fastest are in fact those uh, in which carbon dioxide use is growing the most slowly. Yeah. Okay? So to give you an example, between mm. between 1980 and 2005, sub-Saharan Africa produced just under 20% of the world's population mm-hmm. growth. Yeah and yet contributed just 2.4% of the the growth growth in CO2. If we compare that with our friends in North America, Mm -hmm. they turned out, contributed 4% of extra people, but 14% of extra emissions. Completely disproportionate. Totally. So what we actually see is that... In summary, 63% of the world's population growth happened in places with very low CO2 emissions. Mm -hmm, Very low. mm -hmm. In fact, very low resource consumption in general. So the paper further points out that around one-sixth of the world's population is so poor Mm -hmm. that it actually produces no measurable emissions at all. And I think it's even logical. It is. Because uh, the countries and the places that have the worst problem with overpopulation usually are the poorest. Yeah. So if you don't really have that money to be buying all the stuff that could produce all this pollution, how do you expect it to be high? For example, even CO2. uh, How are they? Production. Well, there's an interesting thing we'll come to about CO2 and international measures of mm-hmm. CO2 emissions because, you know, there's this carbon trading stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And every country has these measures of what they're uh, creating and mm-hmm. so on. I believe, actually, the CO2 market has 
is dysfunctional, I don't think it actually works anymore. Yeah. Although, although I think it's still in existence. Well, especially because I think the majority of the countries signed that uh, agreement in Japan. What was the name? The oh, Kyoto, right? Kyoto Agreement yeah, yeah. Uh, to reduce the emissions. Yeah. So even with incentives. But they could trade CO2 emissions, right? Yeah, yeah. They could say, we'll um, offset our thingy by buying some of your... It's just... Mm-hmm. It's just it's trying to apply free market economics to yeah. pollution. Right? Yeah, and if you want to take, for example, the CO two again example mm. about who produces more CO two, mm. a rich person or a poor person. Oh, yeah. If you consider that one of the biggest productions of CO two comes also from animals, cows, farms, cows, dairy, dairy, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. And imagine how much. <laughs> And do, who is do, eating that meat? How, uh, yeah, but how much do a, a poor person, mm. how many cows can they actually have? Yeah. How, uh, how many cows could a rich person have that has a business about yeah, but of course either a, meat or a, milk or... A rich person exports their pollution, right? Mm-hmm. Because the, the cattle is raised somewhere else, right? Yeah. Uh, but still, is the rich person producing more CO2 than the of poor course, person? Of course they are, right? Yeah. But they hide their production mm-hmm. through these various mechanisms. Right? Yeah. So, um, where were we? So, yes, an interesting um, thing that we just touched mm-hmm. on there about CO2 emissions and international measures yeah. uh, is that a lot of these developing countries have their environmental impact records distorted because <laughs> they host industries that, yes, we accept that they are polluting and consuming, but actually they're wholesale exporters of their products and they're often owned by rich Northern Hemisphere yeah. countries or industries. Mm-hmm. And an example, a simple example of that for it is gas flaring by companies exporting oil from Nigeria has produced more greenhouse gases than all other sources in sub-Saharan Africa put together. Yeah. And yet, it's an export. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, so the actual definitely. thing is being consumed somewhere else. <laughs> right? So they have managed to offshore their CO2 emissions yeah. to a poor country. Right? Yeah, and the uh, author of the of the paper, the International Institute of Environment and Development, mm-hmm. uh, David Satterwhite, White, White, Satterthwaite, Satterthwaite. Yeah. Well, uh, he 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 says uh, that students of development are taught the following formula: yeah. the total impact of e- something of something mm-hmm. equals population times the affluent times technology. Yeah. And uh, contends that is wrong. Yeah. I equals PAT. Yeah. So he says that actually total impact should be measured as I equals CAT, mm. meaning consumer times affluence, affluence times technology. Yeah, exactly. And if you actually uh-huh. use that formula, many of the world's people use so little, consume exactly. so little, that they wouldn't even figure Right, they will not even appear. But of course, there is a category that would appear, which is the wealthy 
Northern Hemisphere, right? Always. We're using everything. Yeah. Disproportionately. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, but, of course, the countries with very low consumer levels are producing the most population growth. Yeah. First factors we've already talked about. So we kind of come to our conclusion at this point. Yeah. Would you like to start? Yes. It's, it's actually pretty simple. People breed less as they become richer. Yeah. But they don't consume less. They consume more. Exactly. I think that is one of the, that, that's the first Conclusion and the most, I think, one of the most important. Let me just add the next. Add the next one. So basically, it's the habits, as the habits of the rich show, mm-hmm. not even the super rich. In the Northern Hemisphere, generally speaking, we are all relatively rich. And that is a broad term, right? Yeah, it's a term that has to be, it's hard to define Let's say a little bit, but yeah. Wealth is we a have sliding more scale. than other right? people. Yeah, we, relatively speaking. Yeah. So, as the habits of the inverted commas rich show, there are no limits to human extravagance, right? Oh, yes. I have witnessed that. Of course. Consumption can be expected to rise with economic growth until the biosphere cracks under the pressure, right? Mm Mm-hmm. That we are a destructive species, right? Yeah. We cannot appear, it would appear control our desire Mm -hmm. to expand and consume. Mm -hmm. So anyone who understands this concept and still considers that population, not consumption, Consumption. is the big issue, then they're just simply not looking at the facts. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But there is obviously a lot of pressure out there in the mainstream to accept that it's population, not consumption. Is yeah, they're leading, they're misleading to believe that the yeah. poor are the ones creating the consumption. We're being brainwashed, right? Yeah. Simple as that. And we always go back to that. We always right? go back to that. It's a common theme. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's a common thing that appears constantly. Yeah. Uh, media, brainwashing. Yeah. Bias. Biased. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, we continue or we're led to mm-hmm. continue to believe that we should blame the poor for what are in reality the excesses of the rich. Of the rich. Mm-hmm. And when we say rich, we mean relatively rich. Right? Of course. Um, so the final conclusion of our little uh-huh. chat today is that it, it is not about sex, reproduction. It's about money. Mm-hmm. It's not about the poor. It's about us, the, the relative relatively rich. rich, right? So that is our thought that we want to leave you with mm-hmm. today in our podcast. I think it was uh, worth breaking down. Yeah, it was. And we have a couple of books here. Oh, yes. We have the first one, which is called Beyond the Limits, mm-hmm. Confronting Global Collapse, Envisioning a Sustainable Future by Donella Meadows, Daniel L. Meadows, and Jorgen Randers. So... Uh, Practically, uh, in, in, the book is about a global industrial system and talks a lot about the ecological I certainly impacts. remember that earlier book, The Limits to Growth. The Limits to Growth, yeah. It's very widely mm-hmm. claimed. And the other one is called Make Room, Make Room. <laughs> I've read that. Harry Harrison is the author. <laughs> was first published in yeah. 1966. 
And it's a novel about an overpopulated urban jungle. Yeah. And it's uh, a divided class system or uh, under uh, operating within uh, an atmosphere of riots, food uh, shortages, and senseless act of violence. That could never happen, right? Yeah, of course okay. not. It's not going to happen, right? <laughs> it's just science fiction, right? Yeah, and trying to find the truth. And all this is in New York City. Yeah. And it's like a very typical, dark, dystopian future. Dystopian, well worth a read, I think. Don't yeah, you think? yeah. And we <sighs> have also movies. Now, I think we've done this one before, but it's worth... Yeah, we did. Into. In fact, there were... There was another one that we could have put. So quite Some few. people consider, for example, Blade Runner. Which, by the way, have you seen the new one? I have. Have you seen it? No. How is it? Uh, it's very bleak. Uh-huh. Very bleak. It could almost have not been in colour. No. Right? It's like various shades of grey. Uh-huh. So, very bleak. I can understand why. And long. Two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, I, d- I did think it was brilliant, but I'm a sucker for this kind of stuff anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So, yes, totally worth seeing. I heard exactly the same comment, that it was, it's totally worth. So I, I is, cannot wait to go and see it. It is very impactful, very strong message. Uh, I think the original movie, which I saw when it came out, obviously, and is, for me, a cult. Uh-huh, yeah, it is, classic, definitely. Right? Uh, the earlier movie, you got the impression... Uh, in that movie that they were using the very dreary environment, not so much as an environmental message as just they wanted to convey this dark, doomy kind of future. Didn't yeah. They? Whereas in this new movie, 2049, kind of environment has come right to the fore in that, largely speaking, it's setting California but it's either raining or snowing the entire time. And you <laughs> never see the blue sky or the sun once in yeah. two and a half hours. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's very bleak. Um, but... This movie, that's the first green, one, right? Soil and Green, 1973. Brilliant movie. Charlton Heston. Classic. It's a classic. Absolutely. And it's again, uh, uh, he, Charlton Heston is a police guy yeah. in an overpopulated uh, world and you have all the time this imagery of yeah. Crowds and crowds. Food and rationing. Everything is... Uh, resource re- shortages. Re- uh, ration, yeah. Very layered society. Uh-huh. You know, all, everybody down Interestingly here. enough, the dead are being picked, you know, every day. Like yeah. garbage like trucks. Like trucks. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it, there was we, a very funny comment, like, uh, if you haven't seen this cheesy sci-fi, you know, know, movie... Well, it's actually recommended to see it. It's not cheesy. It's not. Right? I don't think it was cheesy. I, I, it was just a comment I saw. And I was it, like, mm. I, I, I've read the same thing, but it was a product of its time, right? Definitely. I, I, I hate it when people look at what can be done now and look back at a movie like that and, and critique, critique the... Yeah. yeah come on. It's right? like, dude, you go and do it with the same resources they yeah, had. exactly. You'd make it better, right? Yeah. And, of course, we're not going to tell you what what is the key theme you have to see it but i think it's worth mentioning that this movie has such a cult standing that it was actually made into a simpsons episode yeah where homer was the charlton charlton heston but of course he had his own twist on it which we'll not do either yeah um brilliant movie yeah definitely that's why it was put there as first one totally then we have wally Uh, wally why? Because it's also, also about brilliant. that. Yeah. 
It's from 2008, and we know, I think... It's a warning. It's a warning yeah. about what can happen to the world. And it's also about overpopulation, yeah. garbage, yeah. Uh, accumulates and pollution and yeah. all these problems. Uh, I don't know what else to say about Wally. I think everybody has seen Wally. I, probably most people have seen it, but yeah. it is, it's a powerful it's li- message. It's powerful. Yeah, definitely. It's a Pixar movie, isn't it? Yes. And this little robot that collects garbage yeah. and finds yeah. himself in an adventure finding a spaceship that had the population from Earth, actually. <laughs> and they were able to return to Earth after life became sustainable again. And they're all uh, supersized, right? Yes, because everything was done sitting, laying down. They're all sat on their asses. They're all couch potato passengers, right? Yeah, and the couches move automatically. The couches move. They don't even have to get up. Though. No, they... <laughs> and appears in front of your screens with... Video chats. And it's so. a great movie. Yeah. Great movie. Oh, and then Children of Men. Another classic. This is another classic. Great movie. I like it very much. Not everybody have seen this movie, I don't think. Do you think? And I know quite a few people who've seen it and said they didn't, didn't like it. I think it's brilliant. It's grim. It, it is, of mm. course. Not everything is happy ending. Well, you, you, I mean, yeah. although it's, you know... <laughs> but there's no real I don't think it's a happy ending movie at all obviously no I don't think it is and and again it's a more immediate future it's not far future stuff it's no, recognisable especially because what we said at the beginning hmm. the birth rates are falling yeah and this is kind of and this is exactly what it's about let's take that to its natural limits mm-hmm. it's a great movie uh, beautifully done I think uh huh uh, and a very, again, a good message. Right? Definitely. Totally recommended. And this one, <laughs> yeah. Logan's Run. I also saw this when it came in. 1976. <laughs> in, it's a society in 2274 yeah. that they figure out how to avoid the overpopulation that's problem. That's right. So you could only uh, live until you were 30. Yeah, right? you are 30 and that's you, it. You had, uh, <laughs> when you were born, you had this thing implanted in the palm, in of, the your, palm. of your hand. And when it started flashing, game over. Game over. That's it. You live enough. Yeah. And make room for somebody else. Again, if you watch it, you can obviously criticize yeah. the production values and all that stuff. At the time, it it was actually a significant movie. And I think it is a cult classic. Yeah. In fact, I think it's being re- remade. Really? Yes. Oh, that would be interesting. I read, I read something somewhere about That would be interesting to a watch. New version of it. Yeah. So that's it with the topic movies books and you will see in the show notes all the resources and all the links yeah I think that was interesting it was yeah are we going to do an and finally yeah if Af- after you, this right? after this okay so and finally and finally we have an and finally yeah, and finally we have an after a couple of weeks yeah we, we've had a few we've had a few weeks pause while we run around doing real life stuff stuff right? yeah um <laughs> So, our inf- and finally this week is to do with a very interesting story that's just breaking now. Yeah. And it's to do with Kapersky Labs. Now, we all, I'm sure we're all aware of who Kapersky is. They make a very 
widely used antivirus uh, product. They have somewhere around half a billion users. A um, lot, yeah. Globally, it's about half a billion. And, and it's a it's a Russian company. It's right? a Russian company, but it's an antivirus that has been in the market for a long time. A long time. So it has already a base of users. Absolutely. A big one established. And growing, right? Because for a moment, it was considered to be the safest yeah. or the best antivirus around. Yeah. For a moment. That, wonder how that message <laughs> got out, right? Yeah. Um, so the interesting thing is that um, the U.S. government have announced, I think just this week, that yeah. you are not allowed to use Kapersky antivirus software in, in any government in any government agency, blah, 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 all levels, everything. Uh-huh. And their uh, justification is that they were made aware by their good friends in the Israeli security services. Oh, yes. It's worth having friends in the, uh-huh. in the Mossad, I think it's called. And uh, what they were given was evidence, uh, actually really unequivocal evidence, that um, Kapersky virus, antivirus software, Mm -hmm. is compromised and it has a backdoor in it. It has a backdoor and they actually can take... Well, somebody is using it. We're not saying Kapersky. We don't know who. But they're doing it through Kapersky's server network. Yeah. They, a bad actor, and I'm doing air quotes there. Quotes, yeah. For some reason, nobody can see this. Um, (laughs) A bad actor is, uh, has infiltrated, as far as we know, without Kapersky's knowledge or without the top Kapersky knowing Mm -hmm. about it, let's put it that way, and are using the antivirus uh, package to scan globally people's computers that Kapersky is installed on, Mm -hmm. looking for keywords and then sucking out information back to uh Russia. Imagine that uh, Kaspersky claims that they have 400 million users worldwide. Exactly. And... Mm -hmm. Obviously, the U.S., uh, the Department of uh, Homeland Security... Slightly worried, right? Well, the, the, the thing they are worried about is the ties that exist between Kaspersky officials and the Russian intelligence. Or the inferred connections. Yeah, the inferred connections, because yes. Because Mr. Kaspersky himself, I'm sure is a fine, upstanding citizen of, of Russia, yeah. actually came from the security services, right? Yeah. And although it has been obviously plagued down many times that there's any connection, mm-hmm. blah, 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 the problem is that uh, when you actually see why the Israelis, alert, and apparently <laughs> it was the Israelis who actually alerted the Americans. Like, whoa, well, uh, they, are, they are the biggest allies. Like, of of the, course, but they actually made them aware uh-huh. of it. And the reason why the Israelis made them aware of it was that the Israelis themselves had actually infiltrated Kapersky's <laughs> internal server network yes. and were actually sat inside Kapersky's network. Just watching it work. Watching in real time yeah. while the Kapersky virus was sucking stuff out of people's pieces. 400 million people. <laughs> So whatever you had in your computer and you're a Kaspersky user, you're not safe at all. It's not safe at all. And this reminds me a lot of the Lenovo deal as well with China, that 
they discovered that they had also backdoors. Well, the Huawei. The problem. Huawei, exactly. Right? Now we've, co- we've covered this before. That Huawei, big uh-huh. semiconductor manufacturer, they manufacture a lot of board level, system level chips for PCs. Uh, to do with networking, other stuff, uh-huh. but particularly networking. And again, in the US, above a certain level of public service, mm-hmm. you are not allowed to use phones, tablets, laptops, Any PCs device. that have HUA chips in them. Mm-hmm. Because again, Homeland Security or possibly, um, what's it called, that other... NSA. NSA. Uh, issued a report to the American government, a secret report, which they did publish, but a lot of it was redacted, Mm -hmm. that basically showed that they had evidence that Huawei chips, comms chips that are used in uh, laptops and so on, have a backdoor in them. Yes. They they can be used at an even lower level Mm -hmm. to access information. So here the conclusion is... I personally have never been a fan of Kaspersky no, and I never used it. I've never used it. But if you are a user... Think again. Think again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. And we were discussing just before we started this recording that, uh, at least it's my view anyway, that um, this is a, actually a, a, a very good warning because... We all know there's a big debate about privacy and yeah. so on and so forth, privacy of communication, and there is a lot of noise made about uh, messaging apps and all this stuff being secure. Uh, but think about it. If the Israelis can sit inside one of the world's foremost antivirus organizations mm-hmm. network, infiltrate it apparently for over a year without them knowing... Why couldn't they be sat inside the servers at other companies like WhatsApp, like Facebook, like? Mm-hmm. Well, according to WhatsApp, I know what they say. They are encrypted, and there's end no backdoor. Well, yeah, I'm sure they're telling the truth. Yeah, but they don't have to know, do they? Yeah, yeah. This is the thing. Exactly. Interesting. Interesting. Very interesting. News. And spooky. And spooky. <laughs> and so that's our that was final, finally. Yeah. which I think is a very interesting one yes. and very current yeah anyway thank you Rafa. thank you so we reached the end of the show today yeah great uh, topic a good topic uh, recent actual topic yeah we wanted to bring a little bit of clarity mm-hmm. to what is a very uh-huh. contested Definitely, and we end up with a very interesting, and finally, we did indeed, with security very concerns and privacy concerns. Very topical, so two good, two good yeah. outings there. Yes, and remember, recommend us, we're going to be trying to be now more in schedule, yes. more on time every time. We're trying to get back on schedule. Yes. Uh, so there's more to come. Share it, uh, give us a like in Facebook too, Dark Mind Radio. Yeah. Uh, actually, so there's something we haven't done actually. Well, what haven't we done? Which is to publish also the podcast announcements in the rabbit hole page we did in Facebook. We should start to do oh, that. Well, most well. most of it goes automatically to Dark Mind Radio oh. Facebook page. So start to check our Facebook page because soon we're going to start to update it, and maybe we can start even some other topics of 
discussion in there. People can suggest topics. Exactly. We are very open-minded. Definitely. I think. We are, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Especially stuff we agree with. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thank e- you, Carl. Everything else is fake. Definitely, yes. Totally. So, thank you, Carl. See you thank next you, week. Thank you, Rafa. My name is Rafael Ruiz. We talk to you next week down the rabbit hole. All names, sounds, logos, and other related items are owned by their respective trademark and copyright holders. This podcast is a production of Dark Mind Radio. Go to darkmindradio.com to find out more. All rights reserved. Dark Mind Radio 2017.